Fires on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan and Roy. Nice to be back in town. Dude, you are a traveler. Yeah, I'm a traveling man. (laughs) Last week, Angela and I had the opportunity to go to Fort Wayne, Indiana, as well as Chicago. Um, it It was a long trip. I mean, it felt like a long trip. It was only like five days, but man, it was hot back there. Yeah. So we flew into Indianapolis at like two in the morning, stayed the night at a hotel right there, went back to the airport when we got up, got a rental car, drove two and a half hours to Fort Wayne. But Fort Wayne's a beautiful city. It's. Did you guys fly into Indianapolis? We flew into Indianapolis. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because to fly into Fort Wayne is like another 200 bucks or something like that. Oh, and it doesn't really, it's not any quicker. It's, uh, it's, yeah, they have an airport there, but I guess if you're a big timer, if if you're you know one of the Padres uh, personnel, you know, player development people, you fly in because time is of the essence. Exactly. But we were able to schedule it all out. But anyway, so when we got into Fort Wayne, um, we'd reached out ahead to John Nolan and to Mike Nutter. So Mike Nutter is the president of the Tin Caps, and John Nolan is the um, I'm not sure what his exact title is, but he's a broadcaster. Yeah, he, he does their minor league nut and John Nolan. Yeah, it's yeah. A, and yeah, and John does the TV broadcasts. Yeah. So we told him we were in town, and he told us to meet him at 4.30, and he was going to give us a ballpark tour. And so I thought it'd be a quick you know, half an hour walk around. Here's this. Here's that. We wound up spending like two hours with John walking around. We met everybody in that place. Ugh. He introduced us to everyone, took us into all the different places. Like the, There's so many group event spaces. In center field, behind the hitter's eye, it's black blackout glass. And behind that, they've got a group area. And so it's this like this tiered restaurant kind of thing where they'll set up a buffet. There's a bar inside. So a business will rent that out and you'll have 100 people in there watching the game. On top of that, on the roof of that, on the roof of the batter's eye, there's, there's another group area where they've got a bar. They'll set up a buffet. So hot dogs, whatever. And you see people during the game up on top watching the game. They've got a thing in right field that is inspired by the rooftops. They call it the treetop, but it's inspired by the Wrigley rooftops. Another group space. Uh, They've got all these, um, all these suites and all this. It's a beautiful ballpark, and they put on a great show. So real quick, were there like things going on? Did you go like, hey, this is a this is this party, and you're like, I'll snack some of the food. No, no, we were there too early for all that. I would have been, I would have been crushing. We saw them. The the people were starting to set things up. Okay, but no, we weren't. We weren't uh, crashing any of that. But what we did do that first night was bourbon night at Fort Wayne Tin Caps. And so we decided Uh, we were going to be fans the first night. And then uh, John Nolan was kind enough to get us credentials for the second night. Uh, So that first day, it's so it was five bourbon tastings plus two drink tickets plus an all you can eat buffet up in the suite area. And then it also included tickets that were right behind home plate. I, and it was fantastic. And wow. so the the ticket price for that was forty five bucks for all of that. I mean, forty five bucks will buy you a halfway decent seat at Petco Park, and this got you all and of that. Forty five bucks will get you a decent seat, parking, and food at any minor league game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so parking is readily available. There are lots of great restaurants. There's a bunch of bars that are opening up right around the area. Uh, but how, the, how beautiful is that ball? You know, it's just it's. It, gorgeous ballpark it is yeah it, it holds up with i mean so uh, up in sacramento Rayleigh field is where the river cats play and okay. i'll say parkview field as a single a ballpark holds up against that triple a ballpark if doesn't beat it and it's kind of right down there in the middle of downtown right so it's it not is. like off into the side of the city it's right right yeah. down in the middle of you walk out and you can a go to <laughs> go to burton's apartment but you can also you're in downtown so it's kind yeah. of cool 
Yeah, the convention center's right there. There's hotels all around. I mean, from our windows in our hotel, you could look down into the, the field. There's a rooftop bar in one of the hotels that's up and same thing. You're looking down into the field. It's really wow. cool. Uh, so I lost my train of thought. Well, you go on. You were <laughs> on the broadcast. But the coolest thing was like we we were in like Elsinore and Liddy's like, oh, my God, they're going on the so they're going on the broadcast. So the second day, uh, Angela had her camera. We're down in the dugout. She's taking pictures because there's no camera. Well, it's just you go to the corner of the dugout and stay out of everybody's way. Okay. So we were down there taking pictures. And then John texts us and says, hey, do you guys want to come up and sit in on the broadcast? Sure. Yeah, we'll go up there. So we go up. And uh, so John was doing the TV thing and he had somebody in there with him. But Mike Moss that does the radio didn't have anybody in the booth with him. So he said, why don't you sit down with Mike and you guys can trade off. And so Mike said, yeah, one of you do one half inning, one of you do the other half inning. Angela told me to go first. So I sat down and the score was 11 to two when I sat down. And I know we're going to talk about this later, but long story short, the tin caps wound up coming back and taking the lead in that inning. And an incredible inning where all kinds of stuff was going great, going the right way for the tin caps. Um, and they'd been struggling a little bit. And yeah. so it's like the team needed that. Yeah. And Juwan Harris in particular that had a, a, a great game that day, he's been struggling quite a bit. So I was on the radio with Mike Moss. I was like doing the color while he was doing the play-by-play. God, I'm it, so bummed I missed you. You were doing color? <laughs> it was so cool. It was so much fun. Oh, my gosh. And so the hospitality that the folks put out there is great. And they do a good job with their promotions. Yeah. Um, they do they do giveaways. They they have all the group sales. So we went down into the sales area and they've got this big chart up on the wall where they chart out the whole year and they've got boxes for every available space. And then the the I guess sales agents you would say they're they put their initial in the box once they've got the box claimed and they've you see this whole thing and it's filled out. They do such a great job of of working with the local businessmen businesses yeah. to come up with partnerships. Well, Mike Nutter has been. He's been the minor league executive a couple times in a, in a row, and we talked about this. I think last year he's been there for he, twenty years. He went it again, and he's I been think, with Fort Wayne since they were the Wizards. Yeah, and he's uh, they just put him in the Northwest Indiana um, like Sports Hall of Fame. Like he's a stud. He's Absolute an institution. Institution. Yeah, and that's so you know it's such a cool thing to have your A ball club like that. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in these small towns. With I mean, absolute gorgeous field and engaged community, engaged fan base, a pretty damn good product. Oh yeah! On the, uh, so we went Wednesday and Thursday night. Thursday was Thirsty Thursday, and they packed that house. Yeah. And they put on a great fireworks show afterwards. That was the day of the comeback, but they had probably eight thousand people in that ballpark. Wow! For single A baseball, wow. and the the people were engaged. They were into the game. It wasn't just like a hey, let's go out and do something. I mean, the people really care and they follow. Yeah. So it, it was really, really cool to see. So a big thank you to all the folks with Fort Wayne Tin Caps. I really appreciate them, you know, rolling out a red carpet for little old Angela and me. Well, you're, you guys are a pretty big deal. Oh, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> We're just two normal people that like baseball. You know, and it, but it's just it's a great thing to do. And then you guys went up to Chicago and, yeah. and that was fun. Chicago um, was a whole different experience. I, you need to you need to do this with Liddy. You need to make that happen I, next year. You know, <laughs> tell her that. I, I will. This <laughs> Wrigley Field is a different experience, and I've I was noticing this, you know, with other baseball games that have gone on. One thing that I didn't realize until afterwards was that 
they don't do things to make the people make noise and right. get in. The the fans are dude, into dude, the game. Dude, dude, you don't like that, you don't like, ever hear anything like that coming out of the sound. It's just when there's when it's two outs and two strikes. Yeah, everybody gets loud. It's just you you kind of hear it. You kind of hear this rumble roar up and everybody goes oh hey there's a situation and they get loud yeah. or the claps yeah and the like chance. Peko Parky said yeah. make some noise they, they're paying attention to the game they see two strikes they're on it yeah you never see Lil John come up and right. say let's get loud do it yeah they don't do there's none of that it's it's minimal so it's a more purist baseball experience at Wrigley Field and I, I, I appreciate that yeah so yeah it was a heck of a trip it was really hot in Chicago I sweated through everything I was wearing. I mean, oh my God. And then the second day, we saw how the weather can change because all of... Okay, so you were at the game. You were, So we were watching the game. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you were at that game and it started out like 97 degrees. Yeah. And I'm sure the humidity must have been like 150. Oh, it was oppressive. You, just, you can cut the air Yeah, with, the with heat index was like 110, 115 degrees in and Chicago that day. halfway through that game... Clouds come over. It drops like 15 degrees. Yeah, and this breeze came over. And the craziest thing, all of a sudden, there was this roar from the crowd. Yeah, the fans start, like, the Chicago starts applauding the weather. Yeah, because we finally got a break from it. <laughs> and it was breezy that day, but the, the, the way that the park is built, the wind doesn't travel down into the seating bowl. Yeah. So you have to go up to the, the top of the... You know the back of the bleachers yeah. or the stands to to get any wind. At least we're on the infield bowl where we were. So once that happened and you got a breeze and this cool air comes over you, it felt yeah. great. The flip side of that, though, earlier in that game there were some home runs and there were a couple that it's like he flips into it and then you see the outfielder take a couple steps back like he's tracking it and then it just sails ten ten rows into the stands. Yeah, right. <laughs> so then later in that game was when Manny Machado lit into one. And you see it drop like a you like see a it stone, drop like right? a like a changeup. It just went out there and just died. And and uh, Chris Bryant made this really nice catch right in front of the um, right in front of the ivy. And I think that was the one where they talked about oh he didn't he, run he could have if he drop if it gets past him he could have been on second yeah. base. He thought it was a home run off yeah. the bat. And the way that it, if that happened three innings earlier, it's ten rows into the stands. Right, right, I right, think Andy right. Green said as right. much. So it's it's interesting to see how much the weather comes into play and how fast it can change. Because we don't really see that at Petco. No. You'll see like gradually as the, the game goes by, it starts getting cool and heavy. The marine layer rolls in. But with that, it was like 15 minutes. Boom. The environment's completely different. Like an act of God. Swat! Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and when you hit a ball, you're like, oh my God, I crushed that. Yeah. And you saw the reaction from Manny. Like and he knew like, he got oh, it. I got it. Dude, I'm done. It's over. <laughs> and what can oh, you do? <laughs> you just shrug your shoulders and go to the dugout. Well, dude, I'm super stoked for you. Uh, I'm so jealous. Um, you know, we'll do that stuff when we can. When we, when we can. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> when we can save up the money and, and do it, um, we are going to go at the end of August. We're going to go uh, see my family outside of Nashville and spend three days in eastern Tennessee scouting uh, small towns that maybe moved to. You're going to go visit the Smokies? We're going to go. No, we're going to be visiting the Appalachian League. Oh, okay. Greenville Mets, the uh, Kingsport, I'm sorry, Greenville Reds, the Kingsport Mets, and the Elizabethan uh, Twins. They're all short season teams. There are small cities outside of in in, uh, in Tennessee that we're thinking about moving to in about five years. Are you going to visit all of those ballparks? Yes. Oh, very we, cool. We get to spend a day in the city and kind of check it out. If like if 
that's what we want to do. Uh-huh. Like that's, you know, we're just going to scout the cities. Really. Yeah. We're scouting five years from now. Well, take a diary because I want to hear about all that. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if I want to like reach out and like, hey, well, I'm definitely we're going to get there early and talk to all the people, talk to the city. Um, we were looking online real quick and we'll get into the, the we have tons of stuff to talk about. <laughs> um, we'll get into the meat of the podcast here in a minute. But we were looking online all mucked up on coffee at, at real estate prices. And, you know, like the next day. We get a phone call from this lady. Okay, this is Shirley from uh, from it was it, like Johnson City, Johnson City Cardinals is, uh, is a team out there. Um, we're like, hey, okay, before you go into your pitch of us buying a home, this is what we're doing. And I gave her the like five years from now. Uh huh. And she gave her pitch anyway. I'm like, well, we're just this is one of those parts of the country we're looking at, but that's what we're gonna do. Um, and then we're gonna go see my brother, and my dad outside of Nashville. But let's get boogieing. Okay, let's boogie. So batting leadoff, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thanks for putting up with us. We are now into the podcast <laughs> portion of the episode. Uh, Ellie Aspect was Cali League Pitcher of the Week. Yeah, how about that? Dude, beast mode. Uh, he had one. He had a uh, one and oh, eight innings pitch with five Ks and only three hits. So that's Elliot Ashbeck. You think California League? You think Luis Patino? Mackenzie yeah. Gore was just there. Uh, Osvaldo Hernandez, yeah. uh, Mason Thompson earlier this year. Elliot Ashbeck is another name to pop into that. I, mean, yeah. I know we've mentioned him a couple of times here, but I, I just I love the depth of the system. Yeah, and I got a little more on that as we get down to the affiliate rundown, but that was kind of cool. I saw that uh, on Twitter. I saw it on Instagram and wanted to put it out there because he is a friend of the podcast, uh, being on a couple of episodes back. But okay, so this... All right, so this is what happened during your game. So the game that you went to... It was a walk-off win. Incredible. It's the most lopsided, like, the hugest game of the season, actually, in the whole Padres system. Uh-huh. But Dewanye Williams-Sutton. No, no, no. That was a different game. Was it a different game? Yeah, they weren't playing Cedar Rapids. I was there when they were ah. playing Peoria. Okay. I'm on crack. Sorry. <laughs> but this is coming back. So this is coming from Dylan Sin. Uh, Dewanye Williams-Sutton was hit by a pitch four times. Now, the major league record for being hit by a pitch is three. Um, in one game. In one game, he got hit four times. I think of how many games you don't even come up to bat four times. Right. And, and twice <laughs> with the bases loaded. Um, boosting him into the league lead and getting plunked with 19. He's been hit 19 times this season. Maybe he's been taking lessons from Ty France. Right. It's like it's part of our system. Like, okay, you're the guy now. Ty's in AAA. <laughs> you're now the new up-and-coming guy that gets hit. Um, so this is from Dylan Sin from the Journal Gazette. Um my arm's hurting, said William Sutton, of, of the limb that took all four road baseballs. I'm going to go into the training room and get some ice on it. Good thing uh, we got an off day tomorrow, t- tomorrow which is today, uh, because there's no way I'd be able to play. The Cedar Rapids catcher, Alex uh, Isolove, was like, man, we're not trying to hit you, William Sutton said, laughing. Uh, that was the third time and my fourth time he was like, bro, I promise we're not trying to hit you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, then the last time in the eighth inning, he was like, bro, that was a changeup, bro. I promise we're trying not to hit you. <laughs> like, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on no. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, fool me three times, shame on me. Like, get out of the way. Um, hey, but he got on base. Right. And anyway, you get on base. So I, so he says here, I told him it was all good. I'm not a violent person. I don't want to fight anybody. Stuff like that happens, especially in A-ball and in the minor leagues. So I learned an interesting little thing about what they do in A-ball. Um, I don't remember what the number was, but if a certain number of runners reach base in a game, everybody gets a $10 gift certificate for Applebee's. So four times getting on base, if it's by hit, being hit by a pitch, you know, if that's the one that pushes you over the top so everybody gets some free food, 
you could be a clubhouse hero right there. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I wonder, I don't think they do that. That must just be for Fort Wayne. Yeah. I, I don't hear anything about that in Lake Elsinore. I haven't certainly heard anything about that in Amarillo or. That sounds the like the leagues. kind of thing where the coaches would pull together and like, hey, let's take a couple hundred bucks and buy a stack of gift certificates. Right. Or the local community, yeah. Applebee's. Oh, that know, too. Does, yeah. Does, uh, that's their. Uh, Maybe that's part of their promotion. The promotion. Their little advertisement. And uh, that is sick. Yeah. So that that's how Angela and I wound up going out to dinner with Blake Hunt and Joey Cantillo okay. at 11 at night. <laughs> uh, you weren't on their, you weren't on their minor league dime. Really? He made he made us because we bought we bought Blake brunch. Okay, and so we went out to Cindy's, which was John Conniff's recommendation. Yeah. We went to Cindy's, which was it's a it's the whole place is about the size of this room we're in right now, which has about maybe four tables you can put in here. Five yeah, tops. It, there. Well, no, it's just a bar. Okay, it's only a bar, and so there's like eight or nine seats in the spot, and they've got the grill right there, and there's two two girls working the place, um, but it's greasy spoon food and really good breakfast, and it's. Not very expensive. So, yeah, Blake had the garbage plate, and he also had um, uh, biscuits and gravy. What are the portion size out there? I mean, it was it was fair. Okay. I, I ate all of my plate. Angela ate almost all of what they put in, because I got the garbage as well. Right, right, right. But Blake put both of them down like it was nothing. <laughs> and so I, I paid, and he was like, no, please, I've... Because we know that he signed for a big bonus. Right. He's okay. He's he's fine. Um, so then afterwards, he's like, "You guys aren't paying for anything." So we, Angela and I, split a appetizer of mozzarella sticks. Oh, nice. We weren't hungry. I mean, it was after the game. We didn't want to get all loaded up. And then the next morning, we woke up at the crack of dawn to drive to Chicago. Woof, <laughs> woof. Three and, a, three and a half hour drive to Chicago for a one o'clock game. <laughs> God dang! It was drive? a whirlwind tour. Yeah, I drove. Yeah, and as we're driving into to Chicago, I, I told Angela, okay, for the next hour, I'm going to drive like an a-hole because that's just what you have to do in Chicago. Yeah. I, I had to warn her. <laughs> I'm going to wow. be on people's bumpers, changing lanes. It, you know, Keep your eyes open. Or close your eyes and pray. Yeah. <laughs> so let's move on. So there, uh, this uh, Sack Bunt, so here's the thing. It was Sack Bunt Dustin's uh, newsletter. It's just, it's so good. It's so good. And he's having guys like Lance Brozdowski come in and write for him. Um, and he has an article here last came out actually I think last week, uh, scouting the stat line for Tirso Onellis. Um, and it talks about how they deal with players, you know, if they're struggling, like so with Tatis, when he struggled in Fort Wayne, they just left him there. They, you know, it was a solid month that he was hitting like a buck fifty or whatever. Um, and they left him there. Uh, uh Tim Potts and Gable Arias, two guys that also struggled respectively in their leagues and they didn't do anything with them. But when they do demote a player, it's generally a signal of something more, some serious struggles. So I guess, you know, when, when players are struggling, the coaching staff see that, like, it's not, maybe it's pitch selection, maybe it's, it's, maybe it's approach, it's not, like, some serious flaws. So uh, last year, Luis Almazar got 63 games in the Midwest League, but Slash just won 76, 257, 249. He was sent down to the Arizona Rookie League in August. The less herald Eggy Rosario was given a 50-game trial in the Midwest League, uh, Midwest League back in 2017, but but posted a slash line similar to Almanzar's. He, too, was demoted to the rookie level. Ronaldo Ilaraza got a full season with Fort Wayne in 2017 and then another month at the level in 2018, recording a sub-600 OPS. He ended up back in Arizona. Then Tri-Cities, then back in Arizona. Now, all of these guys were teenagers. Yeah. I think 17 tops. Yeah, I think all of them are still teenagers. Yeah. 
that are now 19 in 2019. Yeah, but you never know with a 17-year-old kid, you get that one 17-year-old kid that is comfortable and plays up to the competition. You yeah. go, okay, we got something here. Yeah. You need to test these guys. Yeah, absolutely. And and, uh, and Il- give them enough rope to figure it out. Yeah, Ila Rosiga signed a pretty big pretty good money too so yeah well Almanzar was the was the big signing that year that was 2015 I believe oh look at you I might be I think it's 16 was he in 16 yeah I think he was part of the okay but he was one of the high dollar guys that they signed yeah absolutely so this is the point the Padres have reached with Tirso Ornelas still just 19 Ornelas was signed in the 2016 J2 international free agent class out of Mexico he started the season at high a Lake Elsinore a reasonable step up for a solid showing last year in Fort Wayne. Ornelas posted a 766 OPS in April, but buoyed a buoyed by a 13.4% walk rate. Then he just stopped hitting. In 190 plate appearances from May through July, Ornelas notched a 450 OPS and just four extra base hits, all doubles, and a strikeout rate approaching 30%. Um, Wilson Caraman, baseball prospectus resident Catholic expert, diagnosed Ornella's problems earlier this month. Quote, but I know this about his run times because I've got a lot of clocks on him as he consistently rolls over pitches with weak contact on the back end of defensive swings. The approach is extremely passive and reactive at present with lots of in the zone fastball gazing and out of the zone change up chasing once he's down on the count. He's rigid at triggered. He's rig, He's rigid at trigger right now. And it leads to some herky jerky in the barrel delivery that compounds problematic timing in 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 lots whatever it says right there was uh <laughs> i think you sneezed when you were typing the rest I of that sentence sneezed. <laughs> uh, you know was that you were in and filling a swing and piling a swing so he's not doing well well and the the book on him coming into the california league was that he's an advanced hitter he has an advanced approach he has good strike recognition he has good uh spin recognition all the things that you i didn't expect to see him struggle like this i thought maybe he would hit for decent average and wouldn't tap into the power right but it's kind of been the opposite yeah so the fact that he's struggling to do all of those things now really does say that he's overmatched something's not right and it maybe it is time to hit some sort of a reset. I don't know whether that's a change in level or if there's some kind of a change in the coaching, whatever they're doing with him. So that's what we're going to talk about right here. So the move back to Arizona Rookie League could be seen as a curious one. Since the Padres could have sent Ornelas back to one stop to Fort Wayne, where he spent all of 2018, sending slumping players back to the rookie level has been a trend for the Padres. However, the organization could view the AZL as a good venue to get a scuffling hitter back on track. The nature of the competition level provides benefits the higher leagues might not, either in terms of more relaxed atmosphere, a lower level of competition, or specialized coaching. If Ornelas gets things straightened out, it wouldn't surprise me to see him earning a promotion before summer's over. And that's and that's where I think it is. Like once things start spouring out of control as a player, it just it it compounds. And when you're that young and you're still developing you can run into trouble and it can just snowball there. And, you know, when baseball, you can try, 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 try harder. And all of a sudden, you get sent back to the rookie league. And it's not the end of the world. He's 19. And he is a physical specimen and he has a ton of tools. So now I'm wondering if, so there's a, it's a comfortable environment yeah. in Arizona. I mean, it's, it's hot, but they put the guys up in apartments right across the street. Yeah. 
They've got a world-class training facility right there. You've got all the coaches and trainers that, I mean, these guys that are roving instructors, but they've got more eyes on him and more help for him there than they would have yeah. in any of the other places. So if it's a matter of, you know, let's break it down and, and try to work on a whole bunch of stuff, yeah. that's probably as good a place to do it as anywhere. Absolutely. Well, you don't have to press. If you're going back to Fort Wayne, you you might still have, you know, you're still hitting in Fort Wayne and you're going to be crushing lower competition and you're thinking, oh, I'm better now. And you're not really working on things or you're not changing the mechanics of your swing. You're just crushing bad pitching. And which could further delay your progress when you go back to the rookie league. You have all the time in the world, like you said, no pressure. There's nothing. Wow. You through my headphones, you can hear the women screaming next door, uh, in the other, in the other pod room or whatever. So yeah, so he, he's back there. Um, it was a really good article. If you guys, if you guys can do it, the sack bun, Dustin. Wait, it's five bucks a month, I think, it's, is what. Yeah, overall, it's like five bucks a month. Oh, that's right, because it is a like six month or a year at a time. You yeah pay for it, but yeah, I. Between him and Mad Friars, those are the two like must-read things. Subscriptions, yeah. And I, I like that that Dustin. I mean, usually every day it's something about the major league team. Yeah. But then every once in a while he'll sprinkle something in on the minor league side, and then every once in a while he'll have a guest writer come in. So Lance Brozdowski's had a couple of, of very interesting articles, very yeah. uh, insightful things, where he can kind of go into more depth in that audience than he could if he was writing for. You know the athletic or fan graphs or something like that. Absolutely, it can be more Padre centric, and that's why I yes. think he kind of stopped the athletic to kind of further the the newsletter. And it's a freaking fantastic. I don't read all of them because I want to focus. I I just they come out a lot, and I'm like, okay, I'll read that one. Oh, I'll I love them. One. I read them every day. Um, but you guys just take the time and go do that. So moving on, John Connors interview with Michael Geddes. Yeah. Okay. So he's having the best season of of his career. Hitting wise, he's hitting home runs, extra base hits. Uh, on the other side of that, he's got a strikeout rate over thirty percent and a five point five walk rate. Uh, this is uh, this is Philip Wellman. Defensively, Michael can play in the big leagues right now. Uh, on Getty's performance in Double A in San Antonio in two thousand eighteen, he can make all the plays and he has the right fielder's arm. This is the interview. I've watched you for several years and have always enjoyed watching you perform, especially defensively in center field. A number of your teammates have always said you were too hard on yourself and get down on yourself when you think you have the team when you think you've let the team down. How have you worked on getting a better place mentally where you can ride the highs and lows better? Yes, I get mad at myself sometimes, but I don't linger on it anymore. In the, in the past, I would beat myself up for a while, but now I understand that everything is temporary. I don't beat myself up anymore. He he comes back to that a couple of times in that interview. Yeah. For the record, I'm not out there playing in front of a few thousand people, so it's much easier for me to ask that question. So that wasn't intended as a shot, which I really appreciate that. That was was it John Conniff that was doing this interview? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I understand that because everyone does it and you don't care as much or you don't care as much. There are different levels of beating yourself up. At times I would linger on it for days and now it's a few seconds and I'm over it. Hopefully it's just about maturing. Uh, your power numbers are better this year, even better than before. Are you doing something different this season? It's a few things. One, it's a thought process and understanding my swing more than in the past. I have a better idea of what I need to be doing and when things go wrong, what I didn't do. I'm making harder contact more often and that's what I need to do. I don't look at my numbers too often. The numbers of strikeouts I have, hits, 
and the only reason I know how many home runs I have are because it's up on the scoreboard. The reason I do is I try to focus on the process more. If I'm getting shorter to the ball, staying tight and not disconnected, I will make good contact. And that is the goal. <clears throat> it seems you're much more focused on the process than on the results. Very much so. I used to, I'm used to getting, uh, I'm used to be very results oriented and now I've changed. Now I'm just thinking whatever is going to happen will happen. I believe in my faith and I believe that things happen for a reason. I'm reading that out of my right eye, so it's kind of funky. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, and that's, we love, we've kind of almost, he's almost been lost in, in the, in the system because of the bat. And, you know, now you can say he's been discounted because of the ball that they're hitting in AAA, but to get any, you know, to have him start to put things together and albeit, you know, in the moonscape of the Pacific Coast League, it's great to see him hitting the pitching. So you still have to hit that, that triple A pitching for sure. Well, he's he's twenty three. He'll turn twenty four soon. Yeah. So he's he's getting to be old for a prospect in the Padres system. Yeah. You know, I, we're used to seeing all these twenty twenty one year old kids. And, I mean, as you're seeing on the major league roster right now, it's full of early twenties players. Yeah. But in a lot of organizations, the the most of the prospects are in that. 24 23 24 25 year old range and they don't really break in until they're 26 27 so but at the same time he's had so much time in the organization and he's struggled so much and right, it's like he right. flashes the same tools but he's had the same struggles throughout so it is nice to see him turn it around a little bit and it sounds like there is a uh, a maturation a you know a, maturing a growing up is a, with his mental approach which i mean you kind of wonder when when's the kid going to figure it out yeah so moving on, moving on, moving. I say directively. Um, you want to talk about Steve? So a couple of weeks ago, there was also the um, article with Stephen Wilson. Yeah, yeah. So Mad Friars put out kind of a profile about Stephen Wilson. The article was called "Stephen Wilson's Path to Dominance as a Reliever," um, and it was written by Kevin Charity, a friend of the podcast. Um, so I first became aware of Stephen Wilson, and he he broke camp, came to Lake Elsinore. Yeah. And this year he's a reliever. This is the first time in his career that he'd been a reliever. And I wasn't aware of that until I read this article. Uh, so he had a fantastic first half, made the all-star team in Lake, uh, Lake Elsinore, yeah. and then quickly earned a promotion up to... Uh, skip double A, sorry, skip double A altogether, went straight to triple A. Went straight to triple A, and he's just continued to shove. So I've got his numbers up here. In high A, he posted a .93 ERA with a .793 whip. Uh, 17 games, 29 innings pitched with 43 strikeouts and only four walks. Wow. So just dominating. Yeah. Com just completely dominating. And he's a little bit older. Um, he is... He's 24. He's about to turn 25. Um, so he was old for the, for the level in Lake Elsinore. And then you send up to El Paso where he's three years younger than the average player. But still, through... 12 appearances, 18 and a third innings pitched. He's posted a 2.45 ERA, which was respectable. Which is hugely respectable in the moonscape of the Pacific Coast League. Correct. Uh, and a .982 whip. Um, 22 strikeouts in 18 and a third innings pitched. Nine walks. So the strikeout rate has come down a shade. The walk rate has gone up a little bit. Uh, but he's still given up only a, a half, 0 0.5 home runs per night. Well, he's one home run in 18 innings pitched. Yeah. 
So anyway, this article went through his whole story from going back to college. So when he was in college, he got injured and wound up having Tommy John surgery. He thought things were going to be done. He was going to go to a community or a, a junior college and the school had a change of coach and the coach convinced him to come back because he was like, and he was thinking about like, I might be done with baseball. Right, right. This is over. I mean, he really, he, he got the, the surgery thinking I want to be able to throw for my kid right. someday down the road. Not really thinking that he was <laughs> still going to have a future in baseball, yeah. but it's like, you still have that opportunity. Just see what happens. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a really good story going through, you know, how he chose where he went to school. Um, the struggles that he's had going through the people that have helped him along. I think Kevin does a really good job going into depth and then talking about the adjustments that he made. So being a reliever, he's pitching only out of the stretch where as a star, as a starter, he relied heavily on the windup and his mechanics of his windup, but simplifying things into the stretch has worked for him where the command has tightened up because there's less moving parts. Yeah. And Kevin really does a really good job of going into a whole bunch of factors in this in this article. So I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I just wanted to highlight that fantastic work and point out Stephen Wilson, who's an unknown guy. But if he continues to dominate like this, we might see him with the big league team. Yeah, I love how this organization is developing bullpen guys. Yeah, Travis mm-hmm. Radke, you got your Stephen Wilson. Um, Henry Henry, you know, we played the Cubs just, just this last weekend. And my comp for Henry Henry is Edwards Jr., yeah, yeah, that's fair. Linky, tall, throws gas, mm-hmm. and is a bullpen guy. And the specialization now of, of, of Major League Baseball almost warrants that guys are drafted as as relievers. You know, most of them start as, uh, as starters, but they're drafted as relievers, become, you know, and they just develop as relievers and get better as they go. Um it's a different mindset. It's a totally different And it's a different, different preparation. It's you'd prepare your body differently for it. And it's it's a whole different thing. Yeah. You don't have an hour and a half to get ready for your start. Yeah. You've got ten minutes if you're lucky to get hot because that guy's struggling and we need help. And some some thrive in that environment and some don't because some I, do. They love the adrenaline. They're like, all right, it's game time, I gotta go. Yeah, so you that's that's the what they say about Henry that yeah. this year being put into that role, he's thriving for some reason. Yeah. Why? I, I don't know, but... And why isn't he in Lake Elsinore? We need to get him up in Lake Elsinore. I'll give him time. He's still young. I know. He's like, he's maybe 19. <laughs> he's, he, but he's very tall, and he's yeah. definitely starting to fill out. Yeah, I've I've seen him in spring training the last couple of years, and he's tall and lean and lanky, but now he's got shoulders, and he's got a little bit of... He's putting on a little bit of thickness so he can support the velocity that yeah. he's got, and that helps repeat the delivery with all the, you know, you need some muscle for all that control. Good stuff. All right, so continuing, you've got down here, Ty France is having a season. In 55 <laughs> oh games, he has 40 extra base hits for a 379, 440, 773 line. If you're into more advanced metrics, his weighted runs created plus of 194 tops all hitters in the PCL. So Beast. what do you do with Ty France? What do you do? Do you know, even with those numbers, like once again, even with the Pacific Coast numbers, he, you have to put him in a package. If it's not here, if it's not, you know, the trade deadline, which is just under a week away. Yeah. Um, it's in the off season. You think so? You, you have to. I don't know. Maybe he's Cody Decker 2.0. Um, Although I guess with Cody Decker, he did, he stayed off the 40 man roster for all those years. 
Yeah. And, and when you saw Cody up, and we love Cody Decker, uh, he was overmatched in the major leagues. When you saw Ty France, and he got a nice little cup of coffee here, uh-huh. he, although the results weren't totally there, he looked comfortable. He had great professional at-bats. He showed that there's a lot there to like in a major league lineup. And, but we have Manny at third. Yeah. And, and that's, I mean, you're done. Well, you still need a utility infielder. You need backups. Right. But so he can play first and third. He can even catch a little bit. I'm wondering if we're going to start seeing him play second base a little bit more. So if you can mm-hmm. move him around the diamond a little bit, because you think on the major league roster, Machado, Tatis, and Urias can all play shortstop. Yeah. So you've got the left side of the infield covered. Yeah. So you've you've got the depth, but if you want a bench bat, and granted he's right-handed, right? All those other guys are right-handed. Hosmer's lefty. That's that's kind of what's carrying Greg Garcia right now. He's doing a great job, but the fact that he's a left-handed hitter, that opens up an opportunity for him. Huge. So do you? I mean, is he going to come up in September? We're, Probably. We're pretty much not. I mean, you know, well, we're, we're he, out of the running. So he's going to stay with with El Paso until their season's over. Yeah. And if they have a postseason run or whatever, he's going to be leading that charge. But once their season's done, he's going to come up. I and mean, what else are you going to do with him? I guess if he wants a vacation, yeah, go you know go hang out in Hawaii right. or come down to Petco Park and maybe you'll get an at bat every once in a while. Oh, he'll do that. Yeah, if I'm the if I'm the player, I want, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let me hang out with the, with the big guys. Absolutely. So let, let me stay at the Ritz Carlton and have the. <laughs> Have the nice steak dinner, or live with man, or we'll live with Will Mars in the hotel. It, so in Fort Wayne, <laughs> since we talk about the living conditions that these players have yeah. in Fort Wayne, they don't really have host families. There's one actual host family that some of the Latin players that speak like no English okay. will stay with. All right, but everybody else stays. Uh, the The team has worked out a deal with an apartment building, and so they've got. It sounds like they're like a quad where each player has their own living space and four of them share a common okay. space. Um, and some of them, it's actually, I think it's a two bedroom kind of a thing. So the guys share, it's like bunks. Um, and in some of them, it's three guys in a, no, six guys in a three bedroom place. And then there's a common area with the bathroom and all that. Uh, and it's a very fair price. Very, very dorm style. It's dorm style. Yeah. yeah and they all pay rent, uh, but it's arranged by the team. So there is, they don't call themselves a booster club, but they call themselves host families. Okay. And they put together like goodie bags that they send for the guys on the on the road. Okay. Of snacks and stuff. All right. But they don't have the same level of relationship with the players that they do in Lake Elsinore. Interesting. Yeah. But then um, in, in Tri-Cities, they do have host families. Yeah. I would suspect they would anywhere else. It's, it's interesting that they have that. And I'm not surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if that wasn't more prevalent in other organizations in other small towns where, you know, rent in Fort Wayne has got to be pretty cheap. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, it's a very affordable place to live. You know, and but you, you go up to Lake Elsinore, and you're like, God, like, we're not going to host family in Lake Elsinore. We can't afford to buy a home there. Yeah. Um, but there are there are a couple host families. Uh, I follow one of them. I can't remember his name right now. John Conniff actually turned... Uh, him on to me on Twitter, but he he has uh, he has players at his place. Where him and his wife in Fort Wayne. In Fort Wayne, okay. Yeah, I can't remember his name right off the top of my head, but uh, yeah, but that's great that they do that and and that they can start living on their own and kind of like begin having an adult experience. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe that's the the mentality behind it. Yeah, and I mean their rent was two hundred bucks a piece, so. Which is a lot when you maybe make when you're making a grand, right? Maybe a thousand dollars a month, mm-hmm. maybe. 
Yeah, but I mean, when I heard it was two hundred bucks, it's like okay, that's not that bad. Because try to find an apartment in in Lake Elsinore for less than what eight hundred, a thousand dollars. I would think you know six to eight hundred bucks, easy. Yeah, um, and that's someone being really nice. Yeah, so that, that's when you pack eight guys in a two bedroom place with 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 air mattresses. Oh, and oh, stuff. I was thinking of a room, like renting a room. Oh, okay. It's got to be in in the eight hundred wow. range. Uh, but let's move on. We got tons to talk about. <laughs> Moving on to double. Austin Allen said that when he's on the fastball, he is doing well. With five RBIs, he was on the fastball Sunday. Uh, for the season, Missouri native has a 368 on base percentage and a 588 slugging, in addition to a pair of trips to the big leagues. He is making the case to be on someone's big league roster. He was a he was three for four with a double and five RBIs on Sunday. Uh, the triple. We already covered that. That's Stephen Wilson. We already covered. Yeah. But I, I like the quotes here. Okay, as a, so as, as, a, as a six-year senior, you don't have a lot of leverage. So he signed, I think he signed for five grand. And okay. we, I hear that question, why would somebody sign for $5,000? So as a six-year senior, you don't have a lot of leverage, said Wilson. You're going to ask, you're not going to ask for a lot of money. You just want an opportunity to play, and that's where I was at. I just wanted to play professional baseball. That was always my dream, and I had actually turned it down twice. He could have entered the draft after high school. He could have entered the draft as a junior. He declined. I've always wanted to get there, and so I was lucky enough to get drafted by the Padres, and it's been a great experience so far. Well, and that's... You get the shot. And now he's in AAA. Yeah. Now he's an injury, probably September call-up, shot away from making the major leagues. Mm -hmm. And and, And for some silly reason, if that's as far as it ever goes, that's a pretty damn good story oh yeah to be able to say that you showed up on a box score in a major league baseball game yeah <laughs> and think of all the thousands of guys that go into pro ball and never get a chance yeah so moving on to amarillo last friday mckenzie gore finally struggled uh this was his second outing his fastball sat in the low 90s and touched 94 down a tick from where it was earlier in the season gore allowed seven runs including three homers and four innings of work uh the Saudis trailed 7-0 after three and a three and a half innings they scored 10 runs over the final three innings to complete a comeback. Outfielder Edward Olivares had two homers, including a three-run shot that put the game out of reach. Olivares has been arguably the best player in the Texas League since the All-Star break. In 27 second-half games, the 23-year-old is hitting 375, 420, and 625 uh, slash, with six homers and 113 plate appearances. Over the aforementioned 23 games, Olivares has struck out in 14% of his plate appearances. Hudson Potts had three hits, including a double. The 20-year-old struck out four times in a game last Friday. Since then, Potts has punched out just twice in 19 plate appearances. So nice to see Hudson Potts start to turn a corner. But yeah. holy cow, Edward Olivares. He's been just tearing it up all year. Yeah. He is certainly, he went from a lottery ticket to like, hey, we got some numbers that are hitting right now. Yeah. And is making an argument for fourth outfielder in 2020. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If, you know, depending on what happens at the major league level. Well, he's already on the 40-man roster, so he's another guy that as soon as their season's over, we might see him at Petco. Yeah, yeah just give him a couple at-bats, a couple of games. Uh, moving on to double, Sunday, Lake Bocker turned out his third stellar outing of the month, allowing just three singles through the first seven frames. Thanks to a pickoff and caught stealing, he faced just one over the minimum and has tossed 80 pitches through his first seven innings. Uh, see, these guys, like Bocker... And we're going to talk about it in a minute. Aaron Lesher, or Leisher. These guys, are, they came out of nowhere and are, are doing well. Um, and what screams to me with these guys, and I know they're starters now, is a bullpen piece. Sure. Like you, you, you take them from 
being a starter into like give him a two inning, air it out, two innings, go. You know what I mean? You got higher velocity, you got better pitching, um, and it's just just abundance of guys. Some guys will come down. You know, the stock rises in this guy. We didn't know who where he came from. You know, there's always that influx or that flux and flotsam and jetsam. Sorry, of the minor league system of like you never know who's gonna pop up. Edward Oliveras, Aaron Lesher, um, even Michelle Bias, and, and those guys weren't. You know, we weren't sure where they're gonna go. Now that he's on the big league roster. And he was looking good too. Yeah. Did you see him yesterday? Oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> oh, we watched man. that. We were uh, for some silly reason I thought there was going to be a game on Monday, so I'm like, yeah, we're going to see his debut. Oh no, they're not. <laughs> they're going to New York. Um, moving on. So the triple. So the triple uh, for for Amarillo, Sunday. Edward Oliveira's reached base four times, including connecting on a 60th homer of the year. The outfielder jumped on a 1-0 fastball from top Royals pitching prospect Jackson Kowar and hit the 95-mile-an-hour pitch high off the batter's eye in dead center. In 23 games since the All-Star break, uh, I'm just going over more numbers again, 393, 460, 726. He has nearly cut his strikeout rate in half from the first half while also getting a good spike in his walk rate. Now that's the kind of thing that you want to see these guys do throughout the season. (laughs) Absolutely. High rock? Lower strikes. That shows that there is some something that changed in the approach. Yeah. Something, something maybe mechanically that is allowing him to see the ball a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ivan Castillo extended his hitting streak to 18 with an infield singer and a two-run double. That's another guy that just keeps hitting everywhere. And he was kind of he was picked up off the scrap heap. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so Monday, the home run for Amarillo. Monday they scored two in the bottom of the ninth to tie the game. Once in the tenth to continue it, and then in the bottom of the eleventh, this happened. Owen Miller, dude. Have a day, Owen Miller. Owen Miller. Everyone poo-poos Owen Miller. Oh, he's a utility guy listening to evaluators. Guys like that are going to find themselves on a major league roster. Oh, yeah. you find a spot for that bat. contributing member. Well, and that's kind of Ty Francis turning into that guy. Yeah. So a similar kind of a thing. Only Owen Miller plays shortstop, second base, third base. He'll play a little bit of first base. I'm sure you can put him out in left field. Put him in the stands. He'll sell peanuts and sodas. <laughs> he'll do anything. Yeah. And, uh, but he has... And I, we love this guy, but the, you know he—they take his shirt off, and this is not the first time that he's taking his shirt off. Dude's got a dad body in the making; like he's got a dad body. Like I, like I've been to the clubhouse a couple times in Lake Elsinore, and you see some of these guys, and they're just like chiseled. Not Owen Miller; like he is totally—that is, what is he from Wisconsin? That is Wisconsin cheese body. <laughs> love that kid, though. So, um, so yeah, he gets a walk-off home run, and that's fantastic. But let's. Uh, Let's move on to Lake Elsinore. Okay. So for the single, last Wednesday after Osvaldo Hernandez pitched two innings of one hit ball, uh, it was his third straight score to start. Reese Kerr. Reese Kerr. How do you pronounce that? Reese, I believe it's Nair. Nair? 
I don't know if this, the K is pronounced. Uh, Owen Miller is from Wisconsin. But yeah, he's from Wisconsin. That's that's some good knowledge right there. Yeah, um, he went a career high eight innings and tied his career high with ten strikeouts. He didn't join the club until May thirty first, but in his almost two months with the club, has struck out fifty two and thirty eight in the third innings of work, including twenty eight over his last three outings. The twenty three year old is the twenty year old is a twentieth round pick in two thousand eighteen. Monday, Hernandez allowed. Six hits and a pair of earned runs in a two and two-thirds innings. He has been limited to 45 to 50 uh, pitches in each of his outings as he comes back from injury. But Reese just learned, did real well there. His last outing, I think, was last night or the night before. And he pitched to Lancaster. Actually, it was last night. He yeah, got, yeah, he yeah. He got Lancastered. Did he? Yeah. So, I mean, that happens. But, you know, the eight innings, ten strikeouts uh, means there's something there, absolutely. The double, Friday, Elliot Ashbeck. Tossed a gem, throwing eight shutout innings. This is how it made him uh, the pitcher of the week in the Cali League. Aspect 25 has pitched very well after joining the Storm rotation in June. Overall, he has pitched to a 3.14 ERA in 77 and a third innings. He set a new career high in innings with his next appearance. Gable Arias had a pair of hits and drove in four, uh, drove in two runs, excuse me, uh, Friday night. Arias is currently riding a five-game hitting streak and has reached his batting average to 281. Arias is still leading the league in swinging strike at 21.3, but the tools. He has a very good shot to develop into a big leaguer. Jalen Watson also had a double in that game. But Gabriel Arias is starting to put it together. Yeah, that's, yeah. You figure it's got to happen at some point when you see somebody that's that athletic, and he does put in a ton of work. A ton of work. We saw that in the offseason. We saw that in spring training. And then Lance Brozdowski had a side-by-side comparisons of his swing. So he's been tooling, uh, ticking, uh, sorry, has been tinkering, tinkering around with that leg kick. Thank you very much. Sometimes I try to find the words that you're thinking of, and you're on a whole different a whole different <laughs> wavelength. I'm way out in outer space. <laughs> so for the triple, the wrap-up for Lake Elsinore, uh, Gabe Moser, who's closing in on 100 innings in his first professional season, worked four and a third innings in a piggyback role with Hernandez. The righty has struck out nine and walked sixth in the 15 and the third inning since moving up from Fort Wayne. Not bad. A little bit of a learning curve, 100 innings. That's a lot of innings for a young guy. Mm-hmm. Um, friend of the podcast, doing great. Uh, super stoked for him. Super stoked to see him come up. Um, we know it would have been Joey Cantillo if uh, Joey Cantillo is a little bit older. I wouldn't be surprised if sometime, maybe the last few starts, they get Joey up to uh, to, to pitch a game or two. I don't know. I mean, he's he's... Still putting on, I mean, still working on things to increase his strength. Yeah. There are mechanical things that they're always working on. So if the kid's learning and progressing, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to put him up a level for competition's sake. Right. Where if the coaching and all of that is working, maybe you keep him there because it's, you see improvement. Yeah, absolutely. And he's got that work ethic and he was, you know, he was drafted a high school guy. So it would make sense to kind of keep him down there, but I just want to get him up, dude. I, I know, I know. Up. We're excited for all these guys. So moving on to Fort Wayne, the single there. Uh, Wednesday, Ryan Weathers tied his season long for innings and easily had his best start since coming back from the injury on May 20th. Ten starts. And he did it against the Peoria Chiefs, who are 4-21 in the second half and have been the worst hitting team in the league. He's pitching tonight, and his line tonight was five innings, three hits, one earned run, five strikeouts, and one base on balls. Against the uh, the hot rods, so still doing well with with you know not with a crazy velocity. So he went six innings in that game, um, 
And he was in control the whole time. I mean, there was something that happened early in the game and he got a little bit mad. Uh, but he's got the the maturity to be able to shake it off and, yeah. and, and push through it. Where you see some of these guys that they, it kind of goes off the rails. That yeah. they get roughed up a little bit and it gets in their head and they have a heart. And I think that maybe speaks back to what Michael Geddes was saying. That you make a mistake and you get mad at yourself. Well, you should get mad at yourself if you mess up. But you got to get over it quickly. Right. And it, as all of us in our jobs, if I mean, if you mess up with something... I, I'd get pretty pissed. Yeah. I've yeah. done a lot of work on not letting it ruin my day. But yeah, exactly. I, and, and, and moving on and learning from it. Yeah. And, and so as a pitcher, you've got to do that with, before the next pitch. Mistake, pitch. Oh, right. Well, you got to face the next guy now. Right. My mistake. That's what hitters do is they hit mistakes. Mm-hmm. But let's move on to the double because the double, or did you want to say something? No, I was going to take this one. Take it. All right. Because I was there Wednesday and Thursday. All right. So for Wednesday's game with Ryan, he looked good the whole time. And I know people are going to ask about the, is he hurt? And according to Blake Hunt, who catches every single one of Ryan's starts, he is not hurt. He's fine. Um, the velocity may be dipping, but there's nothing that's wrong with him. It's, it's fine. You know, maybe it's some guys have dead arm. Who knows what it is, but there's no injury going on there. They're not hiding anything. He was very candid with me and Angela. Well, and I also think that if he was injured, he wouldn't be pitching. Yeah, if, if, if there's they anything would have, serious, they would yeah. shut him down. Absolutely. And the Potters, we shut down guys when they sneeze. Well, yeah, and they, they're investing a lot of money in him. Yeah. And that's another thing is that when the team picks somebody high or they sign an international free agent for a lot of money, they're very careful with that investment. Yeah. Where with and it's across baseball, I don't mean to say just the Padres, but the guys that sign for less money, they don't get treated the same. They get worn out a little bit more. Right. They're the ones that might get thrown to the wolves a little bit. Yeah. So anyway, on Tuesday, or on Thursday, our double here, the Tin Caps won the game of the year so far in the Padres system. They trailed 11-2 to at one point before storming back with a vengeance. Center fielder Jawan Harris tied the game in the eighth with a grand slam, and Ethan Skender stole home to win the game for the Tin Caps. Jawan Harris had a career night, hitting two homers and driving in a career-high five runs in the Fort Wayne victory. And so... Harris, 22, came into the Thursday night with just four hits in his last Thursday at bats. His last 30 at bats. He'd been, <laughs> he only hits on Thursday. <laughs> yeah, he had been struggling for quite a while, and he's one of these. He's he's got all the tools. He's yeah. got a cannon arm. He's fast. He's athletic. He's got power for days. It's just a matter of putting it together. So anyway, the former football star at Rutgers has shown premium athleticism, but has struggled to make consistent contact. With a game like he had Thursday, it's easy to dream on the tools he possesses. And then Ethan Skender, this, he's one of my favorite stories right now. So designated hitter Ethan Skender had a pair of singles, and as we mentioned, he, told, he stole home to cap off the comeback. Skender has been one of the best stories in the system all season. The former 28th rounder missed the last two and a half seasons with knee injuries that resulted in three different surgical procedures. Jesus. After a hot start in the Arizona League, Skender is 6-for-16 in four games with the Tin Caps. And he is a nice, personable kid. One other cool thing about the Tin Caps ballpark. Okay. The hitting cages are at the level of the um, the concourse. Okay. And they've got these roll-up garage doors. So before the game and during the game, it's just a piece of netting right there. And the guys are right there hitting, hitting batting practice. And it, it was a hot day, so the guys were kind of like walking over to the rail to get a breath of, of cool air. Right, right. So me and Angela are standing there just watching, and he comes over and chats us up. It's like, hey, how are you guys doing? And it's nice, you know, and 
I tell you, everyone knows you wherever you go. Well, no, no, not, not that he knew us. He just saw us standing there and thought he'd say hello. And, and there were a few guys that, that did that. Even a couple of guys okay. that didn't speak any real... Uh, who I'm trying to remember who, who gave us a head nod. You know who's funny to watch in that team is Juan Fernandez. Ah, okay. The, the, the catcher. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they call him Jimmy, like chimichanga or chimichurri yeah. i'm yeah. not sure where the chimmy name came from but he's one of these glue guys he just he gets along with everybody he doesn't speak a whole lot of english but it was after this walk-off win we were down in the in the tunnel and there were the a couple of broadcast guys were waiting for anthony Contreras to come out and do an interview okay and inside the tunnel he was goofing around and he was interviewing blake hunt because blake hunt also hit a home run in this game um and so he with his with his limited English, he was interviewing Blake Hunt. It was really funny. All right. Just double checking to see that we have everything going on here. All right. All right. Um, so anyway, um, Ethan Skender has hit safely in each of his first six games with the Caps and has a 12-game hitting streak dating back to his call-up from the AZL. Skender is 8 for 25 with a triple, two RBIs, and two stolen bases. And I believe the triple came in that same game. Okay. So that was the one where I happened to be in the booth with Mike Moss. And I got to be a part of the of the whole thing. Angela was like, "Should we switch seats?" Because the inning kept going on, and I was I was like, "I can't get up right now." And and he wouldn't he didn't want me to get up because I was a good luck charm. <laughs> so she went back down to the dugout because she needed to get pictures of the guys getting all excited after and that game. And you were color, so it's like, do you want to be a broadcaster now? You're going to quit being an engineer and going to move into broadcasting? No, I don't have any aspirations for that. But it certainly was a, a fun little. Uh, little fantasy to play yeah. out you know like a fantasy broadcaster like you're yeah. a podcast guy so why not do a little color commentary for the game yeah and it was pretty natural because mike moz has a he has a very measured rhythm he's been yeah. doing this for decades yeah he's, he's, a, he's an older is he older guy i think in his 50s 60s or? I'd, I'd say in his 50s i'm okay, not sure he exactly sounds, he sounds he sounds kind of older yeah yeah he's a super nice guy and he's he's got this this slow metered rhythm to how he calls a game and he leaves a lot of space in there for the game to to breathe. And you've got the the sound of the ballpark and the players and all that that you that picks up on the microphones. So it was easy to get a rhythm with when he was going to call a pitch. And then okay, we're going to have a few seconds. So I'd say something about the ballpark or the people that were being so nice to us or our podcast or the ladies podcast. Very or, nice, very nice. You know, plug. I tried to Shameless try plug. to give some plugs to everybody. <laughs> I mean, that's why they asked me to come in there. Like, hey, what are you doing here? What do you, you know, what do you do? Anyway, like we talk about you guys for fun. So what are the chances that we go out there and we happen to see the best game of the year? I mean, it was it was amazing. That's crazy. And the house was packed. Crazy fireworks afterwards. I mean, what what an amazing night. That is fantastic. We still can't stop talking about it. So, But let's finish up with uh, Fort Wayne with the triple. So last night, Tuka Peter Marcano had three hits, including a double Monday night. Uh, Marcano also set a career high with four runs batted in. Mm. There was a bench-clearing uh, dust-up in that game, too, in that same inning. Talk about it. Featuring Tucapita Marcano. Yeah. He slid hard into second, and it was a, it was, it was a legal slide. Okay. It was a hard slide. Okay. The hard second s- baseman had his foot planted on the bag, and he slid. His butt was down before the base, but his body went into the shin of the second baseman. Okay. The second baseman had some words to say for him, and he... He will not back down. Tucapito Marcano has some bulldog to him. And Blake Hunt told us about that. that nice. So he, th- those of you listening right now on Padres Twitter, yeah. you got a bulldog in Tucapito Marcano. Oh, yeah. And he, he, 
Blake said that like he thinks he's a big leaguer or something like that. It's like a mentality that he yeah. has that he belongs. Like he knows that he will be a big league player. So he and he plays each game hard like that. And so yeah, there was this this dust up and they're getting it up in each other's faces. The bench is clear and there's a, there's a lot of talk and there wasn't a whole lot of pushing and shoving or right. anything like that. And then every, and then the game carried on. But that was in the middle of that crazy eighth inning. Ah. Well, and he's not, you know, it's not like he's, particularly in the minor leagues, they play each other a lot. So, you know, it's like familiarity breeds contempt. Like you, like he probably, he's probably known in that league for uh, maybe not a dirty player. You don't want to say a dirty player, but more someone that's more aggressive that's going to make those yeah. slides. That's going to like, he he's going to make hard. things happen by playing hard. Well, and we saw that a little bit in the prospect game here last fall that he got on base every time he came up to bat. Yeah. And he did not give a pitch away. No. It, it, so he plays with that with a level of intensity that a lot of guys, you see them in the minors and they take plays off. And that's everybody. But yeah. then there are some people that just have that motor where it's it's always turned Game on. Time. And that's him. That's awesome. So he also set a new career high with four runs batted in. And in July, Mercado was hitting 305, 341, 390. The 19-year-old has also struck out just once in his last 47 plate appearances. Outfielder Tyler Benson had his third consecutive three-hit game to go with three runs scored. Benson, 23, a 31st-round pick in 2017. Left-handed hitter performed solidly in his draft year, but struggled in short-season ball last year. So good to see him starting to put it together. Even though it's slow A ball, you got to start somewhere and you got to start picking it up. Well, uh, you got you got five or six years of team control, typically. Yeah. So you keep working it. As long as you're showing steady progress, you're going to stick around. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Joey Cantilla worked six innings and allowed five hits and two earned runs. Oh no! Uh, striking out ten, he notched his least. Uh, he notched at least seven strikeouts in six consecutive starts and has completed at least five innings in thirteen straight starts with his ten strikeouts Monday. Cantillo now leads the Midwest League with one hundred and sixteen and eighty-five innings as the second youngest qualifying pitcher in the league. He also hit 94 on the radar gun and promptly texted Lance Brozdowski. <laughs> yeah, so when Joe, when Lance wrote that article about Joey, yeah. that was something that he said in there that he said, I'm going to touch 94, and when I do, I'm going to text you. Dude, he did that in the sixth inning, too. Hitting 94 late in the game is fantastic. Late in the season, late in the game, super young guy. We know his work ethic is just through the roof. Um, that is fantastic. He also made the MLB Pipeline's top prospect performer for Monday. So, Cantillo, and I saw somewhere on Twitter, because there's a lot of trade talk right now on Twitter, um, that he was, someone mentioned that he's been mentioned in some of the, in some of the discussions. Okay. I, I don't know what those mean. I don't listen to any of that crazy, the crazy Twitter handles that have these old... But for the Padres, they're going to be buyers and sellers. That doesn't make any freaking sense. And they talk about everybody. Exactly. Uh, everybody has a price. They and do. people talk about Mackenzie Gore being included in, in Luis Arias. And people get get offended and insulted. And I get, I don't want to see these guys go. No. And you, it's like you form a relationship within the organization yeah. with these guys. You watch them come up. It's like, you're, it's like your children and you want to see them do yeah. well. Josh Van Meter. Blowing it up over is he in Cincinnati. Yeah, he's in Cincinnati with the big league club. Yeah, I think he's already hit his, a, a couple of major league home runs. Um, go on. I believe he was the guy that the Padres traded away to get Alan Cordova in the Rule Five draft. Oh, because the Padres drafted 
one player, I can't remember which, and they got two other guys in that same draft. Those were players that were taken later on, and I think they already had a handshake agreement with those teams that, hey, take this guy, and we'll work something out. And so that was how the so the Reds took the player to be named later. The, the Reds selected um, Alan Cordoba from the Cardinals, and then the Padres traded Josh Man, Van Meter to complete the transaction. Wow. So right, we and and here's what I think about that. We'll get into Tri Cities in a minute. Um, we're staying pat. I think even now, even if we were 500 and in the hunt, I really think Preller wouldn't make a move. Yeah, but at the same time, you've got a lot of. You've got a lot of talent that's condensed. I mean, depth is wonderful. Depth is a great right. thing to have. Right. But then there's also a roster crunch that comes at some point where guys are eligible for the Rule 5 draft and this kind of thing. So do you hold on to them and cross your fingers that nobody takes them? Or do you trade away two or three guys to get one good solid piece back? It's the two or three guys that bother. It's the talk of the town on Padres Twitter. Yeah, but I, I don't see them trading away top prospects like no, this no i i could see and i i i hate i don't like i don't i feel bad for saying names but right. i could see guys on the level of ty france edward olivares josh naylor like that being included in some sort of a package throwing to in go. a major league outfielder yeah 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 maybe a, a friend miller renfro you i know. was gonna say it i was gonna say, insert your favorite guy here to be traded yeah yeah but I'm, but I mean you're wearing your Luis Patino shirt, He's and close the to my thought heart. of Luis Patino going anywhere, man, I want that charisma, that personality. I want him in the dugout of Peco Park Absolutely. soon. I don't want to see him go off and go become a Milwaukee Brewer or right, something. Or I mean, someone. Well, and so I think now that the team has struggled after the All Star break, that we are going to stay pat, and if something happens in the off season. Uh, so be it. But I think for the season of this next week, uh, if there's going to be something small, it might be something minor like setting up the 40 man for next year by, you know, yeah. trading a couple of those guys that are going to be rule five or close to rule five. Eligible. You don't really see those kinds of deals happen in the middle of the season either. Right. Right. So, um, that's where we are now, but let's move on to try season and get you guys out of here. Uh, so single Thursday, the dust devils won on a walk off. So there were a lot of walk offs this last week. Uh, try cities. Um, Tin caps, Amarillo, all of our affiliates had crazy walk-off I games. love it. Flip the bats. Have some fun. Hell yeah. Um, the Dust Devils won on a walk-off fielder's choice in the 10th inning. Right fielder Matthew Acosta had a pair of hits and scored a run. Acosta has been in a slump, but the former USC center fielder has been most consistent player in Tri-City this year. Overall, Acosta is hitting 282, 380, 345. I mean, it's a short season. So, yeah. I mean, inconsistent and slumps. So what can you do over a month and a half? Right. And you've already played pretty much a full season in college ball or high school ball. For sure. Uh, left-handed pitcher Jason Blanchard started and allowed just one run in three innings of work. Blanchard was the Padres' ninth-round selection in June out of Lamar. The Southpaw pitched well over his last two outings after a rough start. Right-handed pitcher Mason Fox. Pitched two scoreless innings Thursday, allowing just one hit while striking out four. Fox, a 21st rounder last year, has been quite good out of the Dust Devils bullpen. In 14 and two-thirds innings with Tri-Cities, Fox has struck out 22 batters, and opposing hitters are batting just 154 off the righty. I, I don't think Mason Fox is staying in Tri-Cities for long. No, no. Um, so we'll, we'll be seeing you soon, at least in Fort Wayne. But that's another reliever. Yeah, and in Tri-Cities. Yeah. And I know every level of team need guys that are bullpen guys and that's where it starts 
And if he's doing well there, why fix what's broken? Just develop them, have them develop the pitches, have them increase the velocity, uh, and then become a bullpen guy. And the same thing with Jason Blanchard. He's kind of been the workhorse of that Tri-Cities team. Uh, moving on to the double right-handed pitcher, Ignacio Feliz, turning his best start of the season, completing six innings for just the second time in his professional career. Feliz didn't walk a batter and struck out three. Walks have been an issue for, 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 for Feliz. Thank you. Uh, he walked six batters in his last start. Overall, Feliz has a 2.73 ERA and 33 and 33 innings for the Dust Devils. He was acquired from Cleveland in the offseason with the Walter Lockett trade. Walker Lockett. So the first time I read about Ignacio Feliz was last year. Eric Longenhagen for Fangraphs mentioned him in one of his, you know, blurbs. Yeah, because he he'll he goes down to the Arizona Summer League and like just walks around and writes up the people that stand out to yeah. him. And so he was on his radar. You know, AJ Preller's probably been following him since he was 14 years old. Right. <laughs> All right. So for the triple, last night, Connor Lehman stopped the flooding of runs. Oof. Lehman, 22, this year's seventh round pick out of St. Louis University. The six foot seven right hander threw three innings and gave up only one run in increasingly windy, condi- windy conditions. In his last year with the Billikens, Lehman had a 3.89 ERA in 89 innings with 111 strikeouts to 34 walks. That is the Billikens of St. Louis University. Yes. I've heard of the Billikens before because St. Louis University will go to the NCAA basketball tournament on occasion. What the hell is a Billikens? I it's it's a I, I know that their logo it's like it's a face that's like a gnome or an elf kind of looking thing. I think it's Irish. Okay. All right. Um let's see through his thir- 13 through his innings. first 13 professional innings, he has a 3.38 ERA with 13 strikeouts despite 10 walks. Headed into the draft, Baseball America said his fastball was 88 to 93 with an average changeup and below average breaking ball. How much his secondary pitches improve will determine his future, if his future is in the rotation or the bullpen. See, Six foot seven. Yeah. Big. So pretty good strikeout to walk ratio through college. Yeah. So that says that he can control, he can repeat his delivery well enough to, so yeah, keep uh, another guy to keep an eye on. Absolutely. And that's, a, once again, you know, the, the drafting these guys that are bullpen guys in college. Well, but they're giving him a chance to see if he's going to stick as a starter. So it's a matter of, you know, how the repertoire develops and that kind of stuff. So this game last night, John Conniff was there. It was like 15-0 in the second inning. They scored 10 runs, I think, in the first and uh, and they brought Connor in, and, and God bless. Dude, thanks for stopping the bleeding. Well, Tri-Cities is not all that different from, like, Amarillo or some of these other. It, they're at elevation. It's a very it, big ballpark. It gets hot out there, even though you don't associate Washington with hot, but they're out in eastern Washington, yeah, eastern. and the wind can blow. So you get those weird days where it's like Lancaster and the ball's carrying and scores get crazy. Yeah. That's another reason why you don't scat stout scout the stat lines in minor league games. So that wraps up Tri-Cities. I got a little bit of AZL news here. Sunday, Angel Salarte continues to impress in his second trip to the AZL. No relation to young Ever Salarte. No, but the 18-year-old Venezuelan who it held It is kind of his... weird to go to spring training and see somebody walking around with Salarte on his back. I saw him in spring training, and I watched that game over, and I think it was like field five. It was all those... It was all the, the Dominican guys, um, all the international... It was obviously going to be the Tri-Cities or the AZL team. And I watched a couple of his at bats, and it was like, damn, it was good. And I think it was, um, he uh, the the first base coach or the infield coach for the Storm Blanco. Can't remember his name, his first name, Henry Blanco. 
Former major leaguer? Yeah, he's he's a, in Lake Elsinore as the infield coach. Oh, okay. Um, I you know I I'd said yeah, impressive. And he's like, oh, he's gonna be a star. All right, that's yeah. a pretty good endorsement. Yeah, very much. So, so Carlos um, Luis is the guy that I saw in spring training that I that like caught my eye. Like, oh, that guy looks like he might be good. Who? Nice. So he's he's my pick. Angel Solarte can be your guy. I'll take Carlos Luis. Right, we're we're picking him like <laughs> back back in AZL. Uh, anyways, eighteen-year-old Venezuelan who held his own last year despite being physically overmatched has hit an eight straight. He at his added strength this year is translating into harder, more frequent contact while helping his speed on both sides of the game. He led off the bottom of the ninth with his third homer of the year to claim a walk-off victory. Walk off even in the AZL. Another walk off. The fellow 18 year old outfielder Junior Perez has made, despite some concerning strikeout rates in his first season, stateside even more of an impact for the AZL2 club. A future corner bat, Perez hit his fourth homer of the year and a third in four games. He's hit in 12 straight and is 408 Woba. That's is, weighted on base average. Thank you very much. That's similar to weighted runs created plus. Thank you very it's much. A similar kind of a. Stat similar, very nerdy. Ad- advanced metrics. Advanced mer- nerdy. Adv- <laughs> I can I can break out uh, the upper- white the whiteboard and break it all down for you. <laughs> um, this type of second behind C.J. Abrams, uh, Luis Almazar appeared in his first professional game as an outfielder. A week oh. after he was shipped back to the AZL after another disappointing run with the Tin Caps, Almazar, who got the largest bonus of all the traditional. Uh, international free agents in the Padres 2016 Bonanza has just a 538 OPS in 53 games for Fort Wayne this year, an improvement on his 506 mark last year. Now 19, Almazar had a double in four plate appearances and caught the only ball hit to him in his left in the left field. So they moved him from the infield out to the outfield. He was he was signed as a shortstop, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, he was. And then he was playing some first base. Yeah, because I think he was booting the ball last year. Okay, in Fort Wayne. But let's uh, you know talk about the AZL for a minute because just today, um, friend of the podcast Jason Panini is in is in the summer league there and has been posting videos of CJ Abrams uh, insert inappropriate comment here with that swing. I saw an interesting comment that CJ Abrams has had a hit in every single game that he's played in except for the one that was against the other Padres. Yeah. Squad, he went over right. He went over <laughs> for that game, and that we we talked about that. I think one of the only. So, time. is their pitching that good? <laughs> it could be. That's how deep the system is. It yeah. strikes out our top prospect. But they had some video of of, of Josh Mears. He's a he's a he's not he's a beast. He's, he's a big a, dude. He's a big dude, but he's but he not, can move. He's athletic. Yeah, that swing looks really good. He has quick hands. I um you know like I just tweeted those videos right before uh, before I left the house. Did you see the Hudson Head video? Oh my god, he's got bat speed too. Yeah, there is lots to like with these guys. He looks like Travis Jankowski with a fast bat to okay. me because he's got a little longer hair. He's a skinny kid, swings from the left hand side, but then he's got a bat that whips through the zone, kind of like Will Myers. How there's this just like bullwhip action and yeah. the the bat head just flies through the zone. So those videos were very sexy, very sweet, very nice to see. That's great to see. We should have Jason Panini on sometime in the future. We should. We've talked to him before, haven't we? Yeah, absolutely we have. Uh, And so there's lots to like, guys. There's lots to like about this this system. And It's going to be a fun week to see what moves. Yes. And then see the roster shuffle up and down. Yes. We didn't touch on any of the roster moves here. I mean, other than Ethan Skender going out. No. But it, there there were quite a few moves going on the last couple of weeks. And we're going to see how that goes. Yeah. 
So we did. We got invited to come down to the Fox Sports studio and do a pretty cool thing. I, I don't. I'm not. I don't mean to brag. I don't mean to boast. I like hot butter on my breakfast toast. Right. Uh, but um, somebody reached out to uh, Padres Geekster, um, and somebody in the Fox Sports. They decided to do a, a feature about Padres Twitter. Right. And then uh, Michelle recommended some people, including Angela and myself and you and Liddy, uh, as people to come down and to talk to them. That was a really cool experience. Um, you guys were really sweet on Padres Twitter, about Padres Twitter. Um, <laughs> we it, tried to keep it wholesome. I think they did that. I, you know, I didn't want to go down there and the talk nod. about like H.J. Preller drawing penises on things. Right. And- <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, they ask everyone. So what they did is they ask. First question was like, okay, what is Padres Twitter? And um, I'm like, it's like Fight Club mixed in with Beyond Thunderdome. That was a good answer. It was a really good answer because that's kind of what it is. We're not, I think they really went with the more, uh, you know, they, they talked about Ryan Cohen mm-hmm. and, and how the are the whole Padres Twitter community rallied around his cause with um, the, the the camp that he is a counselor at over the summer for yes. the kids that with the, with the families with cancer. Well, um, and now, did you see the thing with the T-shirts? There was the whole hubbub with the T-shirts yeah. that somebody stole somebody's design and was trying to sell it, but whatever. But then the person with the design actually got a legit way to have the shirts made, and all the proceeds were going to Layla's son, Milo. So right. Layla, I don't remember her handle right now, but she passed away recently Big with complications from in cancer. Madres, right? I don't know if she was in the Madres. I but think she was a Madre. She might, she may have been, but she was, she was young and she was very active in Twitter. Uh, her son has Down syndrome and she, I mean, she went through so many health issues and just passed away recently. And now there's this GoFundMe to help the education of her son. Yeah. And so now this t-shirt, they're raising money for, but anyway, my point is that, yeah, we argue and we get nasty sometimes, but then at the same time, we still we support each other. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Tony Lasoya interview aired today, and we saw that, and he was grateful. I mean, who doesn't have a Tony Lasoya shirt? Oh, that was great. Who doesn't have their podcast logo made by Tony Lasoya? <laughs> well, um, so I don't we, know if anybody else can, can boast that one. No, and ours is pretty tight, and thank you so much. <laughs> so we did. It was kind of cool. They asked about the... Um, the line that so after every uh, after every well as we beat the Mets just now oh geez they're yeah. gonna go on we got to get out of here to do the the memes of the gifts to uh, to the score and they asked about that and uh, it was really cool man we tried to we tried to represent Padres Twitter the best we could uh, we did kind of keep it positive I tried to show a little bit of of you know it's not as all puppies and kittens and ice cream on there as it, as it, they were trying to portray it as. That's true. I mean, they're trying to make a family show. I get it. And I did plug most of the podcasts. I said there were several different podcasts. I explained, they, I explained my our podcast here, and then I explained the different variations of the podcast and that they were all really good. And uh, that was really cool. So that should be out next week. You guys, thanks for sticking along. If those two people that are probably listening in their car are at the gym just trying to finish up the episode. Um, Leisure Fryer out on his walk. <laughs> We're with, just passing hour with his rascal scooter. Um, you can reach me on Twitter at SD Donovan. I am at Zippy underscore TMS. Till then, go Padres. Let's go Padres. 